The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing today? Hey, I, I'm awake today, not like yesterday. So, or the day before, or whatever day it was. I was like, man, I've I've been sleeping a lot later lately. Well, you know what? In fairness, let's just say it's winter time. So, uh, hibernation. You got the beard going. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Haircut, you know, got to I got to shave everything for uh, countdown to midnight. Yeah, um, big uh, show coming up here um, when people listen to this. It's going to be Saturday night, um, so if you're in town, if you don't have plans, come out to the FSW Arena. Um, once again, Joe, what's the uh, start time on it? Is it 9 o'clock? or 9.30. When are the doors opening? Uh, 9 o'clock, I guess. <laughs> you know, I mean... Love- we know that this is not going to be the most attended show. It's just a fun sure. thing that we do. And then our close, you know, family, friends, fans, you know, they like to come out to this one and, and, and ring in the new year. We we get some uh, good talent on the shows, the unguided, you know, the, the definitely some great matches. But, you know, we're, we're not looking at it like, oh, my God, we didn't pack the place, you know. Sure. We understand people have things to do. It's New Year's. Who's got to work the next morning or, or whatever it is. So it, it's just something we've done a couple of years in a row that actually we missed a year because of the pandemic. But right. when we came back, you know, it's been a, it's been a good show that's had a really good response. So I figured, hey, well, let's keep it going. Is the overhead on a show like this, does this kind of fit into let's say a future shock type of budget for you so that it doesn't necessarily affect because of the fact that you, you don't have to pay out, you know, more guys, higher rates, etc. cetera. Um, is this kind of a turnaround of something that you essentially do for the family of FSW out of just the love of, you know, having everyone able to be around and celebrate on new year's Eve? Well, you know, it all it all depends because in reality, yeah, because we're trying to keep it local because we just know the difficulties it is for people from Arizona and California to drive in New Year's Eve, you know, night when like we saw yesterday, I, I was watching the news and it was, you know, a 12 mile backup. So, you know, that four or five hour ride becomes six, seven, eight hours. So, and again, it's not going to be the most attended show, but when we have some younger, newer talent, that's really trying to get their, you know, their name out and, and they want to become FSW regulars. So now all of a sudden, you know, a Primo Henio, a Johnny Robbie, uh, you know, Koa, Jordan Cruz, all these guys, they're like, yeah, we'll come out. We'll come out, you know? And it makes it really a much better show than just a future shock that's going to have, you know, half a dozen wrestlers on it that haven't wrestled five matches. So if you look, the main event is, is a huge, a huge deal. Two of our champions are on it and we got a, a scramble match uh featuring Bodie it got changed around a little bit but we have good people in that and 
Uh, we got a women's match with Johnny Robbie and Alice Blair, who were on the other side uh, of each other uh, at season's beatings. Right. So, is there younger talent? Sure. There, there's a couple. You got the Suavecitos, and they're going to wrestle uh, Chase Bell and and Demir Morningstar, who who's only had a couple of matches. But he's been impressive. He's only 18 years old, you know. Yeah. I, we jokingly call him Chris Strong around the uh, FSW arena with the dreads. And I still think he should have went with that gimmick for a little while. But, hey, to each his own. So, budget-wise, Chris Bay is going to be there. So, you know, he hit me up, you know. And he's going to address the crowd. Last year, he lost the No Limits title to Jay Vidal. So, right. it, it definitely was not a future shock vibe in there for that event. And then I don't believe there is in this one. So when, when we talk about the budget, don't really worry about it. You know, yeah. it's, you know, we're not bringing in 25 guys like we might on a bigger show, sure. but you know, we're talking losing a few bucks, making a few bucks, you know, it, it, it doesn't really mean much. We're, I'm trying to do the best shows we can. And sure. um, spending a few extra dollars to have in people that we're really looking forward. Like, you know, Johnny Robbie, we're looking for big things in 2023. Primo Henio, you know, big things. Jordan Cruz. So, you know, Koa, MK will be there, you know. And the Rose Bowl is not till the day after. So, you know, MK can uh, make that appearance. After I hooked them up buying the, uh, you know, the 1970s Kiss lunch boxes that I hooked them up with. <laughs> uh, you know, you just you put out a, a, a bunch of names that are going to be on the show. Um, let me ask you, with all these new names, are there any uh, particular people coming into 2023? that you're particularly interested to see how they take the next step, how they uh, kind of evolve themselves within what you've seen so far to the potential that you might be seeing that they have. Do you think, are there is there anyone that stands out in your mind that you're looking forward to see if they can take those steps to start reaching the potential? Well, yeah, for sure. Primo Henio is definitely a guy that I like everything I've seen in him so far. You know, yeah. you, you, first off, attitude, personality, you know, dealing with someone that that that's almost first and foremost, the most important thing, because there's a lot of good talent, but they also have to be aware. You know, look at Jordan Cruz. You know, here's a guy who looks the part, has championships all over the place. And in FSW, you know, he's really struggled a little bit to to get on a lot of shows, to, to, to win a lot of matches. But he also understands that what he did somewhere else has nothing to do with what he is looking to do in FSW. He's, he's getting his foot in the door. And he is a guy who has no problem doing whatever is needed to get on the show. And when you do that, it makes me more apt to try to get you booked on a show. And finally had some ideas with him that I think are going to really transcend in the new year. Uh, we walked into Primo Henio, hit me up. He came down to one of the shows uh at the silver nugget introduced himself uh your guy dom at pcw in arizona you know specifically went out of way to put him over he's also yeah. you know coming from santino brothers so he's got a lot of good there you yeah. know we we've seen so much success from the santino's crew now here's a guy from california that the arizona guy is putting over over somebody that he might have trained himself because he's used them and he sees how easy he is to deal with. And, you know, you look at him and it's like, wow, you know, this guy looks like the real deal. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. his gear is top notch. His look is top notch. He can work. Now, let's get him into the FSW mold and, you know, see where we can go with him. Uh, Danny Limelight is a guy who already really is a star, especially on the West Coast. And we had used him on occasion, and we've been able to now kind of secure him for a lot more shows. So while we can, before he may go elsewhere, you know, he did he did work at AEW. He did work at MLW. You know, who knows? You know, here's a guy who has, is one of the best promos, let yeah. alone on the West Coast, uh, just in the indies alone. And, yeah. you know, he's really grown into his persona. And he yeah. is immediately a top guy. You know, it's not here's a guy that we got to slowly bring along. He's a guy who's already, you know, a main event talent. And it's like, let's, let's utilize him. You know, we saw on the few times that we did use him that there was a ton of talent there. And now you got the, now you got the, and then you got the growth of, you know, the guys that are, you know, kind of two years in, which locally that would be a Brett the Thread and, and an Xander, but it also is a, is a Koa and a Devin Reno who is aligning with class, which is, is big because now we have another main event guy class who's now back and he's cleared to wrestle, you know, as of, you know, the next week or so. Right. So now there's newer and fresher storylines because, you know, last, you know, last we saw our class, you know, he won the, uh, the Nevada state and then dropped the Nevada state and then kind of uh, disappeared because he, he had his uh, collarbone injury. Yeah. So he's a guy that, of course, anytime he's available, you know, he is a main roster guy. You know, he's a guy that whenever he's available and we got something, you know, he's 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 one of those top 25 guys that yeah. he will be on pretty much all the shows. You know, whether, he, you know, obviously if he can't make some, you know, there's some of the other shows because we're trying to get 30 guys regularly in a you know 22 spot show right so uh, it's like by adding jordan cruz by adding primo henio by adding johnny robbie by bringing back class now all of a sudden the window kind of closes and some of those guys that have been with us for a while you know that you know they better step their game up because th their appearances will be limited just because the strong have to survive. So what does a person then have to do to uh, to show that uh, they are serious in not losing that spot or losing the opportunities, especially the, you know, the, the tendency is to not look at yourself and evaluate what you're doing right or wrong, but to look at the promoter booker and go he's not giving me this he's not giving me that how does someone you know how do you combat that and make them realize that it's just it's a level of competition that you have to maintain that you can't just say hey i've been here you know three four five years and i am expected this as opposed to, I have to still continue to earn this. Well, in all honesty, it's hard because, you know, you look at some of these guys and I'll say on our student page, hey, here, here's a list of dates. And in some cases, nobody will say, hey, Joe, somebody's looking to book me February 18th. I see there's a show. Hey, do you know if you're going to need me? <clears throat> when I talk to a Matt Vandegrift or a Damian Drake or some of the guys who've been around a long time who make FSW their priority, they'll let me know like, hey, are we running this weekend? Are we running this date coming up? Because 
I've gotten people who are hitting me up for dates and they don't want to not take a date and we not have a date, but they also understand that what position they're in at FSW, that they're needed in most cases, obviously in the Nevada state champion, the no limits champion, the, the tag team champions, you know, Hammerstone's schedule is based off MLW. And, you know, we try to find out information. New Japan, they run those Sunday shows now. And we've run into it a couple times. So now we're, we're, we're aware that they're going to run that mid-month mid, mid to the third weekend on that Sunday. So if we're looking to do something, to get the date in advance. So we, we, we try to work with everybody because we want the best guys that we can have on a show. And sometimes when it collides, sure, it's good. You know, there, there may not have been room for, say, a Jacob Austin Young at that last show because and then he was doing New Japan. So it didn't it didn't hurt in that manner. But I'd rather have that information beforehand sure. than, OK, well, he's not going to be on the show now anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's a catch 22. You know, I got a couple of messages, you know, in the last week about we're doing January 13th. Oh, hey, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm booked somewhere else. And it's like, okay, but you didn't ask me if we needed you. And I put that date up a month and a half ago. So right. I would think as a rep, you know, as an FSW person, that would be your first priority. Like we used to run into issues in the past with Marquez when they were running uh the champions and, from hollywood from hollywood yeah and he would change dates sometimes and we'd have willie mack or sean ricker eli drake booked and they were booked but yeah. hey i'm not going to be able to make it because that's their first priority and that's my issues with some of our guys because there's a lot of them who that's how it is and i try to explain it to them well, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, FSW, I'm not sure the exact date. So you let them know. As of right now, I'm good. But if FSW needs me for that show, that might be one of the dates they're using. So tentatively put it down, but I'll let you know for sure. That way there's no animosity. Just like I have Jordan Cruz booked, but he's a guy from B-Boy School and Level Up's running. Hey, Wait. Joe. You know, I'm involved with something over here. This is my home promotion. I agree with it. I understand it on their end. So the promoters around there should understand it on my end. And right. those who don't, you know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Because now you're going to make that decision. And don't be mad if I don't book you. But it's okay that you take a different booking that day, but then the next show, like, oh, well, I was available this show. Well, uh, I didn't have something for you this show. And, right. you know, so you, you, their idea is, hey, I'm trying to get as many bookings as I can, which is totally understandable. You know, everybody's got to go out there, get their name out. You know, I always try to say, make sure, make sure you take something that, that's worth a shit. You know, sometimes just because it's a booking doesn't mean it's worth anything. Yeah. And that's the biggest mistake you see with some of these younger guys. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you were right. And it was like, well, you know, because a lot of times they think I'm giving this and this information because I don't want them going there. And it's right. like when you're green as fuck and you've had one or two matches and you're wrestling a guy that you're way better than because he's the shits, it didn't fucking help you in any way. So, you know, I know it's hard because in reality, if somebody comes up to me that's trying to get on my show, oh, what do you have me doing? Am I going over? It's like, listen, motherfucker, just show up and, and do what you're asked of. So in reality, when our younger guy does that, it can, it can be looked at by another promoter as who the fuck's this guy? You know, I'm, right. I'm trying to get him on my show, but we have a higher standard. 
You know, we're not going to have guys that are barely trained that, you know, we're just going to throw in matches. And, you know, as disappointing that is to some of our younger students who always feel like, hey, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. And it's like, well, when the trainers or myself see that you're ready, then you'll get that opportunity. You're not going to force yourself onto a show just because you say you're ready. Everybody thinks they're ready. Everybody thinks they should be the champ. Yeah. You know, most people after the fact and that have that have come along and like they realize that, you know, after, you know, three years in, they realize how little they did know that first year that they were swimming through the fishes to 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 find a place in the business. And it's our job to be able to try to lead them in the right direction and bring them along at the proper pace. Do you think there's too many uh, promoters out there who don't necessarily have that uh, philosophy of that it's your guy's job to bring them along to, you know, give them the tools and the understandings of the business. Um, you know, promoters who just basically like to take advantage of, you know, being able to take in the money from a school and, you know, put up shows, but there's no sense of trying to develop or get guys to a higher level. It's the promoter just focusing on, you know, the, the popularity of their own product within their own town and the money they can make off of that. Is, is that something that happens a little too much in pro wrestling? I, I really can't answer that question because the schools that I deal with or I know of are good schools. Like, you know, in most cases, when there's people that come in you know who the Santino's guys are. You know who the B-Boys guys are. You know, when you know who the Dom guys are. Right. So in a lot of cases, I don't really, those are the guys I deal with. So they're pretty stand up to me in the dealings that I've had. I think the issue is more with the promotions that have no school whatsoever attached to it. So they're just picking a guy they see. And sometimes I wonder, like, how the fuck did this guy get on the show? But sometimes people, because just like I get stuff sent to me a million times, there's all the other companies. Hey, I'm going to be in town this weekend. I'd love to work your show. Well, you're in town because you're working a different show. So now you're just trying to get yourself, which is understandable. You're trying to get as many bookings. But that's not how I operate. It isn't like, oh, you're going to be here. Oh, let me use you. I have more than enough guys. Unless I hear good things, unless I, I know from other people that you're you're a hand that's going to do what I need, in most cases, that's that, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, it's like I said, you know, why do I need a guy from Arizona who's going to wrestle three promotions in town? Why do I need him to be, why do I need to use him on my promotion when that's the third show this, that weekend? Who's he bringing to, who's he bringing? Right. You know, I might as well then use my guys, which I do. And I got my guys who 20 of my guys, you're not going to see anywhere else, but on FSW. And you know, that's, for some people, you know, which is great, you know, it's the be all end all. If they want to work in Vegas, they want to work for FSW. They want to get on that casino show. They want to be, you know, you know, I've talked with Limelight a bunch of times and it's like, you know, he, he's always been hungry to be a champion in FSW, despite not being used that often. And, you know, as we were talking about more dates and everything, moving forward over the last few months, you know, now that is definitely a possibility. So he's seen, there's a reason why certain people have been champions because we've saw, we, 
And it's like we've seen the future and we know where they're going to be. So when we put the title on a Brian Cage or an Eli Drake or a Cross or a Bay or a Hammerstone or, or a Lacey, you know, you look at that wall up there and you say, wow, man, there's some fucking great people. This is a, a promotion out of Las Vegas, yeah. you know. Go, go find another promotion anywhere that's an independent promotion based out of a school that has had as many guys as we had. And I'm not even talking about people that we just trained, but we used Brian Cage and Eli Drake way early in their career when right. the only people that were really using them might have been Hollywood. Right. So when we saw... You know, when I saw the Young Bucks, you know, 13 years ago, I'm like, oh, there's something about these guys I really like. And we brought him in for our very first show in a fucking 160 degree swap meet. About any of that. It was, hey, I want to see these guys on the show because I'm a wrestling fan. Right. I think these guys look like wow these guys are super cool and then as they progressed we still tried to use them here and there and they became our champions you know after they had a little run in tna so you know and every time we use them you know the price was higher of course because where were we using them in the iwf shows and you know it became it became a huge deal right. to, to watch when we had the young bucks in 2009 and then all of a sudden where they were in 2012 and then where they were in 2015 when we used them in, in, in Arizona and they yeah. wrestled uh, Shane Strickland and Trevor Lee. It was like an amazing experience as they introduced the Young Bucks to a crowd in Phoenix, Arizona who were like, oh, my God, the Young Bucks are here. Like, yeah saw their draw then and that was before they really got big in ring of honor you right. know they, they were guys that were still just pounding around you know pwg was the big deal for them right that was their big company and we were bringing in talent that you would only see on a pwg show but hey they had that you know the the lodge and you could only get three four hundred people there and they were sold out so a lot of people were not able to ever get tickets to that right so seeing ricochet and Rich Swan and the Young Bucks and Tony Nice and AR Fox and Shane Strickland, you know, all these guys that we brought in, you know, that card we did at the IWF. Evan Daniels wrestled Cross in the in, in, in the dark match uh, because the guy I was dealing with Tyson really liked what Cross was doing back then. And that was getting himself out by doing all his promo videos and and right. being all over Facebook and stuff. But that entire card, you know, Apollo Crews and Chris Hero and and ACH and Drew McIntyre and Biff Busick, you know, the, that card was unbelievably stacked. Eli Drake was on that show. Brian Cage was on that show. So, you know, it, it was amazing – to see and it's trying to find that talent before it becomes you know the norm right you know go on twitter how many times can you be see about oh man i you know solo sokoa yeah man i can't believe it when i saw him at fsw right and it isn't you know and it's great if it's one or two people but it's six seven eight of those people that their first exposure to these guys were with my company, with Future yeah. Stars Wrestling. Nobody knew who Chris Bay was. Chris Bay got beat up by Funny Bone the first three months after he became a trainee because he progressed enough to get his ass whooped in a match. Yeah. And, you know, that's why you talk about the network. You go on the network, you see so many of these younger guys. And again, it's not always guys that we have trained. It's guys that got their foot in the door with us and they quickly a call Fredericks. You know, you've yeah. seen a lot of a call Fredericks before he became 
you know, the young lion for New Japan. Right. And, and, you know, he did a seminar when we had Jushin Liger there that Liger and Rocky Romero were big fans when we did the seminar. They picked Carl Fredericks to be in the match. That was the gimmick. Hey, you know, pick one guy that you think should be on the card. Well, Carl was already on the card, but that was the guy. And then, right. you know, a year and a half later, he shows up at the dojo. They remember who he is. They liked him then. And then they saw even more of him. And he ends up getting signed. And he goes in Ring of Honor. And he goes in New Japan. And he's a guy that we had used numerous times. You know, he was a guy that we were planning on, you know, possibly making our champion. And most could, people could, could say, we- hey, could we possibly see a Carl Fredericks Hammerstone match in 2023, maybe? Because, you know, Fredericks has been a free agent now for like six months. You know, again, any, anything is possible, but because of budgetary reasons, you know, having that success there, you know, a lot of times they're going to want money that isn't definitely available at, say, a, at a school show. Right. You know, and I guarantee you, you know, I can't remember if Carl ever worked Hammerstone, but I do remember uh, we were setting up for the Against All Odds Rumble and we did Feast or Famine. The winner came in at 30 and the loser came in at number one. And it was Graves versus Carl uh, in that Rumble. And I believe Carl started at number one and lasted, you know, pretty much toward the end. But he's yeah. a guy that was from Reno, you know, trained with the scum. And we really grew a liking to him and and saw so much talent that we felt he'd be a guy down the line that, you know, could carry carry the championship. Yeah. So those are what the term future stars of wrestling, which I remember Mike Modest was, you know, 100% against. Future stars of wrestling. Well, it means they're not stars. So you're telling people to watch people that are not stars. And I'm like, yeah, but younger talent, they're not going to know anyway. So if we're building it up as these are the future stars, and I guess it doesn't mean anything when your main guy is Alcatraz and Mike Modest, and you're calling yourself future stars of wrestling, I guess. But then over the next five years, when all these guys have come through the door and now they're on the bigger and better things, you know, nobody knew who the Reno scum was right outside of that Reno NorCal area, but they became, they became the biggest tag team in Las Vegas. You know, who would think people would be chanting for a team from Reno Vegas hates Reno, but they love the Reno. And, you know, and we've had that all along the way where Brian Cage had the match of the year with Brandon Gadsden in 2009 when he hit me up. And then he was in a tag team with Ricker at the time. And then Ricker hit me up. And then you had a guy like Jody Christofferson who wrestled with us and then went to developmental and yeah. wrestled at their version of NXT, which was probably Deep South at the time. And he was on, you know, a lot. But we were always cycling through guys that we would hope or we would think that, Hey, you know what? These guys have a really big future and that's what's put our company out there first and foremost, because you know, you're going to see people look at Maserati, look at her rise. You know, she, she wasn't doing anything. She was a valet for, for a few years and now it's like, hey, Maserati from Las Vegas. There, there's so many of our talents. And again, Viva Van, we didn't train her. She was starting to get a lot of love. But she has taken off like a rocket ship. And we were right there on the ground floor with her. And really quick on that, uh, condolences to uh, Viva, who lost her grandmother uh, this past week. So, um, you know. Thoughts and prayers are with her uh, yeah, during this time of loss. Um, yeah, it's, you know, that that whole idea of the, I love that idea of the future stars. And you had established guys when you started 
but of course you were not only, and you didn't have the school at first too. So that's the other thing that, you know, it's made it a I, lot easier to book because it was just picking guys that I wanted to be on my show. Like I said, right. the other companies in town just say, Hey, I like this guy, I like that guy, I like that guy, I like that guy. And they get to pick, you know, whoever they want and put him in their positions, which again, they have every right to, you know, whether I like it or not, it, it, it doesn't matter just because it's the same as if they, if I used a guy who is prevalent in their promotion, I'm going to use him how I need him used or she in my promotion. So, you know, I try to be protective of my champions to make sure they're not going over there and just losing random matches that don't help FSW or themselves in any way. Right. You know, it's important to protect what you have. It's like, well, you're wrestling at my show at the Silver Nugget, and there's going to be 450 people there. They didn't need to see you lose to somebody that if we used, they'd be on our pre-show. Right. So, yeah. and again, that that that's something that we never were had to worry about in 2009, 2012, 2015, because we were the only ones locally who would run a local show on, you know, a frequent basis. Yeah. So there, there wasn't that probably uh, until that 2015 or 16 or so, you know, sure. where all of a sudden now, our guys are getting booked locally on, on numerous shows. I don't think we, we've ever really actually talked about uh, the idea of when the school came about. What was it for you? Did you ever have any aspirations or were you ever, when you started the company, did you have any interest at all at having a school attached to the company? Uh, initially, no. I, I just wanted to run shows. I was going around. Uh, we tried doing something at Russia's school back in like 99, Vegas Extreme, we called it. And we ended up using, you know, highly talented people. Uh, the infamous now Ace Steel uh, was, was a part of uh, Vegas uh, Extreme because our guy Pete from Chicago knew him. So when we were putting together stuff, uh, Jack Slammy was down at uh, HWA, which Les Thatcher ran. So that's right. how we had the connection with Derek Nykirk, who we ended up hooking up with Navajo Warrior in Arizona, which Nykirk ended up meeting Mike Knox. They became best friends. We used Navajo. We used Gallo. And that was where I met Tyson Tyler because Nykirk trained him. So now we had that connection. Then we had Jack was from NorCal. He was working with Roland at APW back in the day doing announcing and stuff. So he was friends with Modest. And we didn't use Modest at the time, but we used Bison Smith, who was a big deal in Puerto Rico, and, and he yeah. still liked him a lot. And a couple of uh, Modest's students, a guy named Bart Blackson and, and, and somebody else I remember we used, but then locally, we had Snooker Jr., uh, Solo, right. as he was originally called. So we had a good combination of those guys. Unfortunately, wrestling was regulated, blah, blah, blah. You know, we couldn't charge the, the trainer for Russia's school. You know, when we were trying to use the younger guys, he, he, you know, he would try to put the kibosh on them working actually really good guys. In, in those situations. So that kind of went belly up. And then in 2009, I believe they deregulated the wrestling and I had the idea to run some shows and I found the back of a, a swap meet that used to be a furniture store. I'm like, Hey, this is a good spot. It fits, you know, two, 300 people came up with the idea. The guy gave us a good price. And at the time we used Mike modest through, through Jack Slammy. And he was doing his border patrol gimmick because we also right. thought, you know, in the middle of uh, Martin Luther King in Bonanza and promoting it, we would have a lot of these Lucha guys 
One ended up being a Chimera, who was Ricardo Rodriguez. Well, yeah. it turned out most of those guys ended up canceling to stay in San Diego to do a show. So we ended up having the show. The Young Bucks worked the Cutler brothers because they were buddies. So Brandon Cutler actually worked our first show also in 2000. Wait, wait, he, he, he wrestles? For, for those people who don't know, he does wrestle? Uh, he did. And then he disappeared for years. Yeah. And I remember at one of the impact tryouts, he showed up again, which was kind of crazy. But yeah, so we had a mishmash of talent. We had Nye Kirk. We had Kenny King because he was local, of course. Uh, Funny Bone had come off jumping off like a a, a basketball, uh, not the hoop, but the the, built, the backboard. Exactly. And he broke his collarbone. So he was at the show. Uh, there was another small company in town, Adrenaline Unleashed. So I used a couple of the guys there in the Battle Royal. I used some of the guys from the past, Rush's old school, like Reno Tofuli, and Legacy was running stuff. So Scotty Ice, who's friends with Remy Marcel, that's how Remy got on the show. That's how Crash Test Cody was born. And it was just a mishmash of, of guys that we did. And we never really thought about a school at all. It was like, okay, I got Disco getting in. I went and go see him at Sapphires. Hey, we're trying to do some stuff. Love to have you, blah, blah, blah. He was interested. And then all of a sudden, Modest had nothing really going on, on the uh, in NorCal. So the idea was, hey, you know, I'd like to come to Vegas and we could do a school. And it was like, at the time, you know, the first couple of shows we did, people would come up to us, hey, you know, I'd love to learn how to wrestle. And it'd be like, oh, go see my friend Phil at uh, at Vegas Championship Wrestling. And it's like, so we were bringing in people who wanted to go to a school, and I was sending them somewhere else to, 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 to for them to pay. Right. And so we would get nothing out of it. And it was like, well, when this opportunity occurred, we're like, hey, why wouldn't we just do it? You know, we're running regular shows. And again, the first month or two, uh, we set up the ring in my backyard. Right. Until we found we found the spot. And they gave us a great deal. But it was like a slum landlord. You know, I remember it was 4,500 square feet. And we paid 1,500 bucks for the month. Oh. But we only got that for a year. Then the next wow. year, it was $2,000. Then the next year, it was 2,500. And then now she wanted to go to like 3,500, but it's like, it was like the linoleum floors in the office that were like crumpled and falling apart. When we got into the building, there's no power, of course. So you got to go turn the power on. We signed the lease. So we go to turn the stuff on. What the fuck? The air conditioners aren't working. So Rocky goes on the roof. What the fuck? There's no swamp coolers whatsoever. Oh, my God. In the building. <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck? So I call up the, the, the lady who dealt with us. She was the real estate person. Oh, yeah, you know, you need to call the landlord. You know, they'll have to take care of that for you. So I call up the landlord. And her response was, whoever said there was swamp coolers there? That's not on me. You signed the lease. We didn't say there was swamp coolers. So the fifteen hundred looked good, but now we had to go spend a few thousand dollars because it was it was two units, so we had to get two swamp coolers Ugh. that we did take after the third year. I don't know whether we ever used them, but it was like yeah. So anytime there was an issue, we would have to fix it, and it was right. like, but we're the tenant. So, but but the building was great because it was so big. We did a show for the CAC the one year and that's why we don't deal with them anymore it was like we rented vans we had a super card and it was the first time at the cac we built it as a show and we probably had three four hundred that was the first time i met mk because mk was friendly with gallo and that whole crew and i remember he bought a ticket to come to the show as did tons of people that we shipped from the gold coast all the way over, back and forth on our dime, spending five, six hundred dollars because, hey, we thought this was, you know, a cool deal. And at the right. end of the day, we paid some people, you know, the guys who wrestled, they wrestled for the courtesy and they they understood the deal. And then I remember I gave them a check for like nine hundred bucks or something. 
And the response was kind of like, oh, that's it? Like, that's it, motherfucker. I didn't have to give you nine cents. And it was like, Jake the Snake was there. Ken Patera was there. Uh, Mad Dog Vashon was there. Raven was there. It was like Rick Martell, awesome dude. He was there. I remember we had the Porta Potty and we had the big unit. Uh, our, uh, I guess, can't use the word midget anymore, but you know, I remember uh, he was peeing in the Porta Potty and Jake the Snake wanted to knock over the Porta Potty that day, <laughs> you know. So, you know, it was a funny, it was, it was, it was good times. You know, we packed the place because that place, we did some of our anniversary shows because we were in between Silver Nugget at the time. And then we got into Samstown. So I remember doing an anniversary show there and we would be able to put three, 400 people in there because it was so big, but because of all the issues we had, we had to get out of there. And, yeah. you know, we went to where we are now, which was great because initially uh, the owner of the building was an individual and he gave us a good deal. And then they asked us to fill out some stuff. And, and, and I wish he would have like said, hey, I'm leaving. You want to get another three year lease in because yeah. the lease ends up expiring within six months and the new people come in and they're jacking everything up. Like they yeah. don't care what, you know, agreements we had with the guy. Now they're the owners. So, you know, it's been a struggle. Uh, But the one thing I'll say was during the pandemic, they were fantastic about it. They only charged us the cams and they gave us, you know, like six months because we were closed down, closed shut for like four months. Like we weren't bringing in anything. So, you know, it could have went under at that point if we had to pay the rent. And they also understood it and they were, you know, but again, some people I know, nobody gave a fuck that. So what your building's closed. I I have bills to pay. And, you know, they, they were good about that. So we resigned another, you know, after that three year, now we signed another five years. So we've been there since 2012, 13. It's been about at least 10 years at the uh, Harrison uh, drive. A gig and it's hard to move. We've looked, you know, but how much now does it cost? We have to uproot all the electrical and the, the lighting and everything that we've put in there. That to save 300 a month, it's probably not really worth it, right? Right. Uh, with when, when the idea came to you from modest of doing a school, was, was that attraction the <sighs> fact that? It was Mike Modest who had the idea and would be, you know, starting off training people because he actually had a name and reputation and was, you know, somewhat recognizable uh, through his appearance uh, in Beyond the Mat. Um, did did that type of reputation, that type of uh, you know, knowing that you'd have a guy who was solid and it wasn't just some guy that people really hadn't heard of. Did that kind of factor into the fact that this sounds like it could be a good business idea um, as opposed to, if you know, Bob Smith was running the classes? Without a doubt, it was like, you know, in 2009, he was fresh off to be on the mat. We know it, we knew the success that he had had in uh, you know all Japan or Noah Noah what it was, Noah. but yeah. I also knew because I knew of who he was through Jack before, so it was like I saw him on WCW. So right. you knew, it, you know, he was a known commodity, and he was going to come down here, and you know we struck a deal that you know, we all thought would be able to help us grow together because, you know, it's easy to go in and pay a trainer X amount of dollars when you're bringing in nothing uh, to go broke pretty quickly. Cause you got to understand now, you know, after a month or two and and within that first month, we, we probably had, you know, three, four, five students. And, 
they trained at the at the at the, the at my backyard. They'd come in, use the bathroom, change, and we'd go out and, and train for a few hours. And then we got a facility. But you gotta understand now for the facility I'm paying, it ain't just rent. You're paying for the, for the power bill, and now you gotta pay for other things that are involved. Right. And now you're scrambling to get the money. And then as the first year passes, now we're getting close to where we're not really coming out of pocket. Oh, the, the rent went up again, you know? So it, it become a, di- it became a difficult process. Yeah. Um, so I just got a message actually, uh, Don West passed away. Uh, wow. We just yeah. Knew he hadn't yeah. been doing well either. You know, speaking yeah. of that, you know, I wanted to touch base, Stefan Bonner, uh, you know, as big as he was in the UFC, we trained him to be a professional wrestler, you know, yeah. between him and Baroni, you know, we'd always say the two craziest dudes in the world, you know, and, you know, Stefan was definitely a, uh, a figure, you know, he worked a bunch of our natural born killer shows yeah. and, um, uh, I remember he did the submissions match and we made Disco his manager because we wanted to, you know, do things. You know, we had a lot of fun times and I know we had a really tough year the last year. His house burned down. He almost died the year before. And then as of like the last month or two, you just heard he was doing commentary again. He was looking to get back into professional wrestling. And, uh, you know, it's really a shame. It looked like he was ready to have a big year in 2023, get things back on track. And then boom, yeah. it's like that's why it's like, yeah, you sit there and as I said, when you know, when my mom passed, it was like, man, it, it could happen to anybody at any time, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's yeah. just you know, like that's it. So it's like you better enjoy it while you can. Yeah, uh, and it's you know, it's the thing about him was he he was one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But he was one of the toughest guys you'll meet and probably the craziest guys you'll ever meet. So it's it, he had all those great aspects to him. And it's just, you know, 45 years old, man. It's it's just a shame. No, it's terrible. And I, and I knew he had his issues in the past and things like that. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. It was like because I remember the first day because we had trained Baroni first, you know, okay. and, and Phil – Phil is the craziest person I've probably ever met in my entire life and kind of disappeared for a while. Hadn't seen him. All of a sudden he walks in with Bonner and Bonner wanted to like train to wrestle, but these cats were crazy. It was like, they loved professional wrestling. Like they didn't want to do the shit that they were known for. Like their UFC style, you know, Bonner wanted to drop elbows, you know, off the top rope because he loved macho man, shit like that. And, And it's just crazy. To see this guy that you knew, great shape, you know. I remember yep. we were gonna. He ended up working uh, MVP uh, because they were pretty friendly through the jujitsu stuff, you know. Right. And, and he'd always be like, "Oh man, what the fuck? I'm a UFC fucking legend. You're gonna have me job out." And it's like, dude, it's professional wrestling, you know. It's like, it, it's apples and oranges, you know. This is what kind of need. It's MVP. It's the guy we're bringing in, and. and he was cool about it because he liked MVP sure. and you know, he always wanted to go out there. I remember trying to get him some bookings and it was like, Stefan, I know you're a UFC guy and I know you're a big fucking huge name in there, but to go professional wrestle somewhere, nobody's going to give you like $2,000. It's right. wrestling, you know? And he always was like, yeah, but this, that, and the other thing. And there were some people I know Black Label Pro used them very, very much because he had actually hit me up, the owner, about getting Bonner. I'm like, hey, man, I got you, I got you some gigs. And he was like, what are you kidding? I ain't going out of my fucking house for this, you know? And it was like, so obviously he ended up making a better deal with the other guy. But, you know, <laughs> let's just say it was very interesting, you know, having the dealings with those guys. But. You know, we had them in some situations and, you know, it was fun times, man. It was, they were in and out, but, you know, dealing with those guys always made you laugh. I'll tell you that. (laughs) 
Uh, let's, uh, as we kind of get ready to wrap up here, let's talk a little bit about uh, Saturday night. Uh, again, 9.30 start time. Uh, we know the Unguided is uh, getting back for the one night only against uh, Gregory Sharp and Jordan Oasis. Uh, any other set matches uh, going into you? Oh, uh, yeah, we, we got the whole card set. You know, Ref AJ and Brandon G, unsanctioned match. He's a referee, but uh, they both want it, so we're, we're going to give it to them. Uh, Johnny Robbie, initially she was going to be in the scramble, but uh, Alice Blair and Johnny are going to go one-on-one uh, in that match. And now we kind of adjusted the scramble match. That's going to have Bodie, uh, Angel Celestial, uh, Primo Henio, and Jordan Cruz. And, you know, Primo Henio and Jordan Cruz were involved in a uh, triple threat uh, right. a couple of weeks ago at, at, at Seasons Beatings. Uh, Nick right. Xander and Nick Bugatti, uh, they are uh, scheduled uh, for a big one-on-one match. And Ke- uh, Kevin Koa and MK, they're going to they're gonna be uh, taking on a newcomer uh, out of uh, Level Up, uh, B-Boys uh, promotion. Uh, right. A gentleman by the name of Miggy Rose will be making his FSW debut against Koa. The Suavecitos, as I mentioned earlier, they're going to wrestle uh, Chase Bell and Demir Morningstar. And is, that, is that Chase Bell's new tag team where Demir goes on to be uh, popular when Chase gets hurt? Uh, it could be. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, come on, Chase, don't get hurt this time. <laughs> so I think there's another match. I know we got eight matches. Uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't announce just now eight matches. So I'd have to uh, think offhand uh, who else is going to be on there. I think we're pretty close. So yeah. um, I might have announced, I might have mentioned seven, but. Uh, of the guys that I'm thinking of that are on. Oh, Cody. Uh, again, he, he likes wrestling his students to see where they've progressed in the wrestling world. And uh, this the, this Saturday, he goes one-on-one with Andy Delgado, who okay. uh, uh, did pretty pretty well, you know, uh, against Nick Bugatti. You yeah. know, here's a guy who, who, you know, he's really into that mat, mat-based wrestling, you know. And had a little stint in China. And then when he came back, he got injured and he broke his collarbone. And then whatever it was, it was the longest uh, healing collarbone injury. I think it took him about two and a half years to come back. Because I'm pretty sure it was like 2018. uh, Yeah, it would have to be about 2018. Yeah. So it took him a few, it almost took like two, three years. Like he came back. I remember we had a Juventud Guerrero seminar. Uh, It was a basic uh, second rope bump or whatever. And he broke his collarbone, crashed and burned. And then after he was healed, uh, you know, because he's still young, you know, and I I didn't realize how young Andy was when he did go to uh, China. You know, he was 18, 19 years old, so he's still only like 23. Yeah, that's but to me, he's been around forever. Um, and to work Cody, uh, you know, I think sometimes with Cody's history of being, you know, having just these wonderful moments, I think people really kind of forget how good of a Matt wrestler Cody is. Because his chain wrestling is really, really smooth, man. And so I think that's a nice matchup to see. Yeah, so it's definitely an eclectic card. We got some great young rising talent. We got established stars. And we got guys that are looking to really cement themselves as major players this year. So, you know, it's a card... If you're not doing anything, it's New Year's Eve. And again, I know every, a lot of people are. And, you know, uh, there is a free champagne toast at midnight. Enjoy the show. Uh, have a good time. You can watch the fireworks, you know, right above. You don't have to worry about going to the strip, going across right. the strip. 
you know, we're in an area where, man, it's going to be easy to get to. Not worry about traffic. So, yeah. you know, and if you're deciding to stay at home, well, it, it is available on the FSW network. So, you know, ring in the new year, you know, and, and see some some people that you will be seeing a lot of uh, moving forward this year. I think that's a great uh, perspective on what the show is going to be like and what the upcoming year is going to potentially be like for a lot of the people who are on this show. So it's very exciting. And again, un unguided back together for, for one night, this should be. That alone really is worth the price of admission. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It should be very entertaining. Uh, and that scramble match, I, I just, you know, it's too bad you guys can't do uh, like an X division uh, scaffolding for those type of guys. You know, I've, I've been wanting to do that an ultimate X match because disco was involved with that, but it was just such a difficult process of, you know, he was talking about getting the trussings in the corner with the wiring and, and making it to where it's sturdy enough that, you know, we don't want somebody killing themselves doing it, but right. you know, that is definitely the bucket list for an FSW match is the ultimate X match. So, and then we make a big styrofoam X and we put it hanging from the, uh, from the scaffolding and stuff. <laughs> oh man. That, <laughs> that I just, it, there's so much talent, man, that something like that, just exciting to even think about. And, uh, a styrofoam X just makes it that much better because uh, <laughs> the only in professional wrestling would the goal be <laughs> you're going to go 20 feet into the air to get a styrofoam X. And that is a prize. <laughs> yes. You know, use yeah. for the, you know, it's like no escapes coming up on the 29th, three cage matches. Yep. You know, we've already announced. We got Ice and Hammerstone and Viva and Maz for the, the collective titles there. Uh, I got hit up. The, the card is so stacked. MK hit me up because, you know, he works with Sam Adonis a lot, and they were looking for some footage. And he offered me a match, Sam Adonis against El Hijo de Wagner and no, wow. es no escape, and I just couldn't do it. There, wow. there's, you know, we have all these matches set. And with the cage, we cannot go three, four, three and a half, four hours. So yeah. it's like we're trying to see if we can get that match because, you know, MK was really behind and he was not behind. He he was the be all end all when we did Sam Madonna's versus uh, Psycho Clown at uh, Psycho de Mayo. And, yeah. you know, that was a match that was one, easily one of the top five matches in FSW in 2021. And, yeah. you know, and we love Sam. It's just like, unfortunately, it, it, it not able to happen just because of the matches that are set and what we're looking to, you know, try to do. They're, they're yeah. just in spots. You know, we initially were going to use uh, Davey Richards, Toa Leona, and, and those are guys that they just don't fit into the show at this point. Um, we're actually looking for them, Toa Leona and, and his partner, Khan, the Gates of Agony. We were looking at them challenging for the tag titles. So uh, Toa was available. Unfortunately, Khan was not. So we had to hold off on that. So, you know, trying to bring some surprises, some, some names that haven't been around for a little while that are ready to make their returns. So it's yeah. like, the, the, you want to talk eclectic, the no escape scramble is going to be very eclectic. 20-person <laughs> scramble? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> All right, everyone. Again, uh, tune in, in uh, to the FSW Network, $6.99 a month. Uh, you can catch a lot of the stuff that uh, Joe was talking about today by just going back and looking at the archives. Um and of course you can watch new year's uh the countdown to midnight and uh i believe the 15th to uh new year's resolution will uh, also be available on the uh, network as well so uh, keep that in mind and uh if you're in town and you have nothing planned come on down to the fsw arena and check out the show and have yourself a little toast at midnight with joe and uh 
Uh, I guess right now you look like Father Time. So, have you ever thought about dressing up as Father Time and then having uh, Joey dress up as the Baby New Year? I, I have not, but it's definitely uh, <laughs> something to keep in mind for the Halloween show next year. <laughs> oh, man. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. And until next time, we'll see you guys later.